Oh, we can do better than that. Come on, let's give him praise. You're redeemed. You've been bought back. You've been rescued. Amen. Hallelujah. Goes right there. How many of y'all are glad we've got Connor back in the choir with us? Amen. Look at there. Amen. He was in a really, really bad accident back in May. And, uh, and a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of things could have happened, but God, God kept him here. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bible, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn with me. Remain standing for just a minute. We'll read just a couple verses, and I'll let you sit down. Go back to Nehemiah. We're going to stay on the topic of vision today. Uh, last week, we learned several things about vision. We learned that it comes from the Lord. The Lord is who produces the vision. He, he uh, exposes a difficulty. He exposes a need. He exposes a problem. Maybe the problem that you're finding in your life is not because you're a bad person, but because God wants you to do something about it. Say amen right there. God will expose a need to put a vision in our heart to make a difference in somebody's life. He'll expose it. The, the leaders proclaim it. The Lord, he will produce it. The leaders will proclaim it and the laity will pursue it. I'm so glad that we have leaders who will stand and say this is what God said, this is the direction, and we've got people willing to follow and go that way. Say amen. So we are in we are in Nehemiah chapter 2, and it'd probably help if I got there. Amen. All right, verse 17, verse 17. Before we, uh, uh, before we start reading, I, I want to thank all the ladies that came to Jordan Shower yesterday, and for those that... Uh, we didn't get the invite to or we just missed it. Please don't be upset at us. or uh, We didn't mean to hurt anybody's feelings. We tried to get it out the best we could. Uh, some of the invitations got sent back and we tried to put it on Facebook and I know everybody didn't get that. And it wasn't on purpose. Nobody was left out on purpose, so please forgive us for that. But if you want to send a gift, I'm registered at Bass Pro Shops <laughs> in, in Leeds, Leeds, Alabama. Amen. Uh, no. Uh, so, so uh, thank you for that, and, 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 and like I said, please forgive us uh, if anybody was left out because it was not on purpose, all right? Church, say amen. amen. Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 17. Uh, to catch you all up that was not here last week, we are, we are reading uh, about the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. The walls were destroyed. The people of uh, Israel was taken into captivity. After 70 years, God allowed those to start trickling back and coming back. Uh, Nehemiah gets word uh, back in captivity that the, the walls are not being rebuilt and the city is in rubble and it's in disarray and everybody's discouraged. So God puts it in his heart. He gets touched in his heart. And he says, we've got to do something about this. And, and he, he secures the ability. He goes to the king. He gets the materials. He gets everything necessary. He gets permission from the king and all of this. And he goes to Israel. He goes back home, if you will. Goes back to Jerusalem, and now he is trying to encourage everybody. He's trying to rally the troops, if you will. He's trying to pep everybody up and say, hey, let's get this job done. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. This is where we're at. Verse 17. Verse 17. Chapter 2, verse 17. Then said I unto them, ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that there be no more reproach here in Jerusalem. Now, here, here's the thing. He's saying, let's do it. Listen, God can. We can make it happen. 
He begins to tell them about the hand of God and how God has already moved. He said, come on, let's do it. This is a needed issue. Verse 18, then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, read it with me, let us rise up and build. Say that again. You know, there is nothing more encouraging to a pastor when the pastor says, let's go, and you say, let's go. There's nothing more encouraging to a pastor or a leader who sees a direction, who sees a vision from God and says, this is what God said, here we go, and they actually go. I, I heard a pastor say one time, he said, they said, how many active members do you have? He said, they're all active. Half of them are active for me and half of them are active against me. Amen. <laughs> and I'm glad that we have a place here in Coleman where people are on fire for God. People are excited about what God is doing and they want to see God's work done. Say amen. amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your blessings and your honor. Thank you for your presence in this place. Everything that's done today, I've already had a great time in the house of the Lord. Now, Lord, speak to us through your word. I pray that you'll use this word to encourage us and help us and move us forward in the will of God. God will thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. We have the story. Now, to to get the, the front half and the back half of the story... Uh, you got to understand this was really an impossible task. It's already been tried. It's already been attempted. Uh, They were not successful. They were discouraged. They were broke down about it. Uh, Things were not going good. It wasn't going the way that, that they had planned. Nehemiah gets here, the visionary, the visionary, the one that God has put in his heart to see something happen. Uh, to rebuild the walls, and now he gets everybody jacked up about it. They go to work, and in 52 days, 52 days, they did the impossible. They accomplished what God had put in their heart. In a record-setting pace, they accomplished the vision. Now, I'm I'm telling you the end uh, because so we can better understand the middle. Nehemiah was told it can't be done. Nehemiah was told you won't be able to do it. Nehemiah was told, you don't have the ability. Nehemiah was told that if you try, if you start, we will stop you and we will tear it down. He's dealing with all of this, and in 52 days, he made it happen. 52 days. Now, you say, why is all that important? Because you've got to understand something. There will always be people who tell you you can't do it. There will always be obstacles in life, always. I don't care what it is. I don't care where it is. There will always be issues in life that you will have to conquer, you will have to overcome. But if it is a God thing, it will happen. Listen, let me give you three quick things. real. And really, I think the message, I think the message is really in the first point, but, but God's given me all the rest of it, so we'll share all of it, amen? But, but really, really pay attention to the first point. I want you to see... I want you to see the focus of vision. Write that down. If you're taking notes, I want you to see the focus of vision. We said last week the Lord produces it. The Lord will put it in our heart. It's got to come from God. We can't, uh, we can't just conjure up something. We can't just uh, think about uh, what would be cool to do or something. It's got to come from the Lord. Uh, the, the, the leader will proclaim it. The, the laity will pursue it. But, but here's what I want you to see about the vision itself. The vision itself. The focus of the vision. I want you to write this down underneath underneath this main point. Uh, the focus of vision. Vision 
is always about the betterment of others. The vision is always about the betterment of others. In other words, if your vision is all about you, it's not from God. Now let that sink in a minute. Because there's a lot of people that's got vision for riches and vision for fame and vision for honor and vision. Oh, I want to I wanna do this and I want to do I want to build a big church. But the motivation behind it is about them and not about others. Vision should always be about the betterment of others. Look at what it says in verse 17. Verse 17. Then said I unto them, ye see the distress that we are in. You see that, in other words, he's trying to get their eyes to open about the situation they're in. He said, let's fix the problem. We are in a mess. We are in a dangerous situation because without the walls, they are in danger of being invaded by the enemy. There is no protection. There is no help. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. He's saying, look, we've got to do something about this. I want to better your situation. I want to put you in safety and security. It's always about the betterment of others. You see the man Joseph. How many of y'all remember the story of Joseph? How many of y'all remember the story of Joseph? <laughs> y'all don't remember that? No, I don't, I don't. Joseph, coat of many colors, sold by his brother. Now do y'all remember? Amen? All right. Good night. I'm going to preach that too. Amen. Joseph was a young man, 17 years old, and he gets a vision. He has a dream. God gives him a vision of his destiny. God gives him a vision of his future and what God would have him to do. And so we see he has a God-given vision. But I don't think that he understood it completely. I don't think he received it like he should have because he went through hell on earth till he got there. The Bible says that when he shared his vision with his brethren and even his parents, uh, they didn't like it at all, and they threw him in the pit. They hated him. And watch what it says. Not just because of the vision, because of the words he said. Now, let's, let's use some logic here. Let's use some logic here. How many of y'all know a 17-year-old? How many of y'all have been 17? Now think about this. You have a 17-year-old and you tell him you're going to rule the world. You're going to rule over all of your brethren and you're going to rule over even your mama and daddy. How's that 17-year-old going to act? And the Bible says he went telling them all, I'm going to rule over you. Now now people, you you got to look at the Bible and read the Bible in context for what it is. He's a 17-year-old kid, and he just hears and sees a vision about grandeur and glory. He's going to rule, and they're going to bow down to him. How do you think he responded? And they hated him because of the way he did it, because of the words that he said, and they threw him in a pit. And you know what, what's, what's cool about it? It's not really cool, but it's, it's, it's cool for us to learn this. The Bible says that they stripped him. He had a coat of many colors. The coat of many colors showed and represented that he was the golden child. That his father loved him a lot more than, and and, and he was the golden child. And the Bible says it stripped him of his significance. It stripped him of what was important to him. You know why? Because he wasn't ready for his vision and his destiny yet because he was still full of himself. You know, sometimes God has to put us through a stripping process. 
Moses, Moses is a great illustration of this. Moses was a, he was a statesman. He was educated in the finest schools of Egypt. He had all of this and he had a vision. He had a destiny. God would use him to deliver his people and he thought he would do it his way. He thought he would do it in his might and his power and he killed the Egyptian and got run out of town. And then the Bible says that he spent, he spent all that time on the backside of a desert. And they say, they say that when you, the Bedouins there in that, that territory, when you spend an extended period out with the, in the wild with animals and you don't have human contact, you, you lose the ability to, to speak and communicate correctly. How many of y'all remember when he called Moses? When he called Moses to, to go and, and deliver the people, he said, man, I can't even talk right. You know why? God stripped him of his significance. Because before he thought he could do it. When you think you can, you can't. And then when he met him at the burning bush, Moses said, I can't. And God said, now you can. What's the point? What's the point? Joseph wasn't ready. But Joseph got it in the end. Watch what it says. Watch what it says. In Genesis chapter 45, when it was all said and done, when his brothers came over to Egypt, when, they, when the brothers, when he revealed himself to his brothers, this is what he said. Genesis 45, 5. Now therefore, he's speaking to his brothers, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. Genesis 45, 7. God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Genesis 50, this is at the end, after their father had died and they were afraid that Joseph would have him killed. This is what he said. Genesis 50, verse 19. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I am in the place of God. In other words, I am in my destiny. I am in my purpose. This is where God would have me to be. I'm in the place of God. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass, watch this, and it is this day to save much people alive. You know what he was saying? My vision was not about me. My vision was not about me ruling and reigning. My vision was not about, listen, my brethren and my father and my mother bowing before me. It wasn't about me the whole time. It was about saving souls, saving lives, bringing a great deliverance. If we, if, we, if we have this idea that God has put a great place here and a vision here so we can say we got a cool church and we got the best church and we got a great church, listen, we've missed it completely. God put this place here so people would have a place to go where broken hearts could come and be mended. It could be a lighthouse for those who are in darkness. Listen, a hospital for those who are sick. Some place that somebody could come and get some help and some encouragement. Somebody say amen. The purpose of vision is for the betterment of others. I get so angry. Maybe I get so upset. When I see people in ministry and it's all about them. And, and, and they're self-promoters. And, and, it, and it's about, I'm not even going to go there because I'm going to lose a good spirit. I put, I put a tag on, on Facebook that says anytime somebody tells you what would Jesus do, remind them he turned over tables and ran people out with whips. Sometimes I want to do that. When people get so self-centered and so selfish and they forget ministry is not about you. 
your vision is not about you. And if your vision is all about you, it's not from God. It's for the betterment of others. Listen, he said, do you see the distress we are in? His vision was about the, 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 the deliverance of these people and the betterment of these people. Not only that, look at the end of verse 17. Look at the end of verse 17. He said, look at the, the gates that are lying in waste. And then he said this, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem. Watch this. That we be no more a reproach. Listen, your vision is not just about you. It's A, about the betterment of others, but B, it's more for the glory of God. You see, Jerusalem used to be glorious. Jerusalem used to be, it used to be filled with splendor and honor. It used to be filled with the glory of God. Man, most historians say that you could see the glory for miles. The, the, the queen... The queen came to Solomon because she done heard all kind of stuff. And she said, there's no way in this world everything I heard could be true. So she came to see for herself. And the Bible says when she saw how he went up into the house of the Lord, it took her breath away. She had been in temples before. She had been in houses of worship before. She had been in churches before, if you will. But she had never been in one with a cloud in it. That's the presence of God, by the way. For y'all that don't know your Old Testament. And her breath was taken away. It used to be so glorious. But God's presence was no longer there. The temple was in rubble. The city was destroyed. And this was God's people. And Nehemiah is saying, look how people look upon us. Look at the reproach we brought on his name. We need to build the walls again so people can see the glory of God. You know what? People in this community, they don't need to see what we do for God. They need to see what God does for us. If people come in here and they say, Woo, look at that choir. We've missed it. If they say, whoo, look at that preacher, whoo, look at that building, oh, whoo, look at those ministries, oh, look at, no, no, we've totally, totally missed it. The whole purpose of the singing, the whole purpose of the signing, the whole purpose of the preaching, the whole purpose of the ministry is to point people to one who's bigger than us all. It's not to point to ourselves; it's to point to him. He said, whether you eat or whether you drink or whatsoever you do, do it all to the glory of God. God will share his home. He will share his son. He will share his grace. He will share his mercy, but he won't share his glory. Oh, are y'all with me today? Why are we doing this? For the glory of God. So they can see what a great God we have. So we can see what a loving God we have. How many times have we got ignorant and stupid on God and, and God should have thrown us all in hell, but God had mercy and God forgave us and God brought us back in the fold. Somebody ought to shout right there. Don't be looking at somebody beside you and think, oh yeah, they need God. No, we all need God. That's why his mercies are new every morning because we all need him. There ain't none righteous, no, not one. There ain't none perfect, no, not one. 
We all need him. And vision, listen, vision should be about the betterment of others. Guys are being called in ministry. Listen, ministry's not so you can have a job. Matter of fact, if you, listen, if you can do anything else but that, you better go ahead and do it. Because if you're not called into this, you won't stay in this. I better wait for reach and preach to preachers because they, amen. Why, why are we doing what we do? Why, why are we doing what we do? Why do we do what we do? Is it for the glory of God? Or is it to have something to do? Or, or, or could it be, or could it be that, that, that this is what we're supposed to so we feel obligated? Well, obviously, in Revelation, we find that God's not real tickled with that. When he spoke to the church of Ephesus, he said, you're laboring, you're, you're, you're not putting up with sin, you're working hard, you're doing... I mean, I'm talking about, Brother Milligan, would you agree that overall, the whole picture, that was a great church? I mean, any pastor in America would love to have this list of things that he was bragging on them about. And then he said, but... I have somewhat against thee because you've left your first love. In other words, there was a day you did what you did because you loved Jesus. There was a day you did what you did because you were thankful for being forgiven and being delivered. There was a day when you did because you wanted to honor God, but now you do it because nobody else will. You do it out of obligation and not adoration. God, Jesus don't like that. He wants to be your first love. He wants to be your only love. He wants to be your primary love. Somebody say amen. Listen, do we do what we do for the glory of God? Let me give you two. And I'll hurry, I'll hurry. We see the focus of vision. Say that with me. Number one, we see the, the focus of vision. Number two, we see the fulfillment of vision. How did they complete this wall in 52 days? How was the vision fulfilled? In any vision, by the way, I want you to look at chapter 3. I want you to look at chapter 3 in your Bibles in, 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 in verse number 2. Chapter 3 in verse number 2. Do they have that up there? Do y'all have that available? I, I don't think I gave that to you, but uh, chapter 3 in verse number 2. Do y'all have your Bibles open? <clears throat> have your Bibles open? What's the first four words? Say it again. Say it again. Do you know what it says? 31 times in this chapter. Now, I'm not going to read all the names because it would take a Philadelphia lawyer to, to say them. Say amen. But every family and every group was there. And one would work on this part of the wall and, and another group would work. And they would do their part. They didn't build the whole wall, but they built their part. And another family. And, 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 here's what I want you to know. Everybody can't do everything, but everybody can do something. How are we going to fulfill the vision? How are we going to see what God wants to accomplish in this place? Everybody has to help. It's going to require, write this down, write this down, write this down. It's going to require teamwork. Say it with me. It's going to require, it's going to require, hey, say this with me. It takes teamwork. Oh, Lord, help us, Jesus. Say it with me. It takes teamwork to make the 
That's right. It takes teamwork to make the dream work. Next unto him, next unto him, next unto him, next unto him. You know what? If we could all understand, we're in, we're in the same boat. We're on the same team. We're trying to accomplish this together. Do you realize, how many of y'all have ever seen geese flying? That's the plural form of goose. Y'all with me now? You got me? They fly in a V pattern. How many of y'all see it now? Y'all, oh, 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 y'all, y'all with me? I'm trying to help you. I got rednecks in here. Come on. Do you realize, do you realize researchers say that's not by accident? They have researched that in the lead goose is splitting the air and separating the wind there so that it makes it easier on the ones before. And when they fly in a V pattern together, they can fly 73% farther than flying alone. Get you some of that. Hey, and when that lead goose gets tired, he falls back in line and another takes his place. And you know the whole time they're going, honk, 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 honk. And you know what the scientists say? They're honking him on. The ones in the back are encouraging the one in the front. And let me tell you something. You may not have a lead role, but you can honk us on. Because we're flying together. Well, I feel a little God right there, amen. Honk, 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 honk. 73% farther than they can fly alone. I want to ask you a question. Why are you flying alone? Get in line. Say amen. This is a team. Let's move right along. Amen. Watch this right here. This is cool. This is cool if I could breathe. Amen. I'd be nice. Craig Barnes. Craig Barnes, he he was writing. This is is what he conducted a funeral. It It was an amazing funeral. This is what he said. He said, ooh, that's different, ain't it? I moved it. Amen. All right. He conducted the funeral for a man who had helped develop the famous Boeing 747 aircraft. After the service, he spoke with the widow and commented on how remarkable it was that her late husband had helped build the marvelous machine. She said, the truth is, he worked on one little switch box smaller than a loaf of bread. That's all he worked on for 15 years. But when that 747 lift off the ground, for the first time, it was the happiest day of his life. He worked on one small switch box for more than a decade. Yet the, the huge plane couldn't have lifted off without this man's contribution. Do you know what? Often we see only our seemingly small efforts and feel we aren't very important. But when the great kingdom of God lifts off, we'll be thrilled to find out all our efforts were essential. Man, this is a 747 right here. This is an incredible, I'm telling y'all, I'm telling y'all, people are coming from all over the country to see and experience what you have here to know how to do it there. But guess what? It's great and it's wonderful, but it's needed and it's, listen, every single person is essential to make it happen. Sometimes all we see what's on this platform, but we don't, we don't see what happens behind the scenes. We don't see the people who are cleaning the towels for the baptistry and getting everybody ready, setting up the baptistry, taking the baptistry down, turning the heater on. We don't see the people who are helping cleaning, moving, calling, uh, encouraging, holding doors open, shuttling people here and shuttling people there. Every person 
counts. Everybody's essential. Listen, what you witnessed, what you witnessed here a while ago with the sign team. Uh, four, how long was that song? Four minutes, three minutes, five minutes, all right. Five minutes, exactly what I said, five minutes long, amen. You saw five minutes worth, but you didn't see all the hours, hours and practicing and prepping. And Listen, you hear the choir all the time. But you don't see the hours, the practicing, the training, the sweating, the fighting. No, I'm kidding, not fighting, not fighting. <laughs> Discussing. Are y'all with me? There's so much stuff that's not, and every person is important. Teamwork. It's going to take teamwork. Then, then B, then B, <clears throat> write this down. If we're going to fulfill the vision, it's going to require teamwork, but not only that, it's going to require tenacity. Tenacity. <clears throat> In other words, you're just going to have to, you're just going to, have to learn some stick'em. My, my pawpaw used to say some grit. Some of y'all ain't got no grit. How many of y'all country enough know what I'm talking about right there? You just want to be tough. It ain't easy. It's hard. I know it. I know it. It's hard. Can you imagine what they're going through? They're trying to sift through rubble. They're trying to rebuild the walls. They're discouraged. They've got the, the, the people, the people around them, the enemy around them saying, making fun of them, mocking them. When they did get some of the wall built, you know what they said? If a fox runs against it, it's going to fall down. Come on, guys. Let's remember. Let's think like we would. How many of y'all tried something for God and somebody said a little something sideways about it and got your feelings hurt? They're not going to get with me. Let me come on this side. Will y'all get with me? Will y'all talk to me? I did my best trying to sing that song. Somebody said I was flat. <laughs> well, they were too chicken to even get up here, so now. Y'all with me? People going to talk. I used to get so bugged out, man, I'm telling you what, because this is my heart. This place is my life. I mean, this is my life. And boy, I tell you, when, when people say something about Brother Scott, I'd get sideways. I'm telling you, I'd take it personal. Yeah. Until I realize they talked about Jesus. Who do I think I am that they're not going to talk about me? And it means this. If they're talking, let's give them something to talk about. Yeah. You know what Vance Havner said? If you want people to quit talking about you, know nothing, do nothing, or have nothing. And people won't talk about you. Nobody talked about us when we had 35 people. We were not even on the radar. Y'all with me? They said, if you build that wall, a fox will make it fall down. We're going to kill you. We're going to come up against you. You know what they did? I love this. He said, all right, boys, this is what we're going to do. One of y'all going to hold a spear, and one of y'all going to hold a hammer. And we ain't going to take our work clothes off. We're going to stay here and fight. The only way we're going to take them off is to clean them, put, wash them, put them back on, and we're going to stick to it. 
And the Bible says they worked on the wall with a spear in one hand and a hammer in the other. You know what we need to do? We need to get some old-fashioned grit and say, I don't care what they say. I don't care what the devil does. It doesn't matter what comes against us. Bless God, we're going to make it happen. Some grit. Amen. That's the part of messages at Rednecks like right there. Amen. Stuff it out, buddy. Be no sissy. Amen. I'm being being a little facetious, but it's true. Sometimes I want to tell people, duh. This marriage stuff is hard. Yeah, it sure is. Join the crowd. I saw where they at. Oh, yeah. Right. Newlyweds back from the honeymoon right here. Yeah, come on. Give my hand right here. I wanted to sing to him a while ago, but here in the real world. Honeymoon's over, so now it go to work and pay bills. That's it. The rest of your life. Amen. Do I have a witness right there? I just sung that so I could get an audition in front of Jalen. Maybe he let me sing. Amen. It's not that easy. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got to quit spending so much time at the Waffle House. Amen. It, it, it'll ruin a brother. It will ruin a brother. Let, thirdly, thirdly, last off. Let's, we got to finish this thing before it gets carnal in here. Amen. What was number one? What was number one? The focus of vision. Number two, the, the fulfillment. We're going to have to have teamwork. We're going to have to work together. We're going to have to have some tenacity and some grit and stick them. But then, then thirdly, I, don't even want to, I really don't even want to preach this point because it's, just, it's kind of like a downer, but maybe somebody needs to hear this. I want you to see the frustration of vision. The frustration of vision. Look what it says in chapter number, chapter number four. Chapter number four in verse number five. Chapter 4, verse, and I got to do this quick, so y'all, y'all, hurry, up, y'all hurry up and get there. Uh, Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter, no, excuse me, not chapter 4, chapter 3, chapter 3. Nehemiah chapter, any chapter you turn to is wonderful. It doesn't, it, wherever you want to turn. <laughs> Nehemiah 3 and verse number 5. Nehemiah 3, verse 5. Now, now we have, how many, how many of those next unto him? 31, 31 in this chapter, next unto him, next unto him, next unto him. In other words, everybody's working together. Y'all with me? Y'all with me up in the balcony? Come on, y'all get with me. I come and shook your hands this morning. Come on now. All right? All right, now watch this. Watch this in verse number five. Verse number five. And next unto him the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles put not their necks to the work of the Lord. You me tell you what's frustrating to somebody who's working? Somebody that's watching. Now, I'm not, I, you know, I try to be as Christian as I can on Sunday morning. But when we working and somebody's standing there watching, it takes all the Christianity out of me. Are y'all with me? We, we, we say this, we say this in, in the membership class that the attenders, people that just attend, are consumers. Members are contributors. 
In other words, there's nothing frustrating to the team when all the team is not playing as a team. If y'all have ever played sports and you've been out on there and you've been given 110% and you see somebody out there lollygagging around and, and, and goofing off and you want to choke them to death, say amen. amen. Two things I see in this. It, it was the type of person that it was. It was their nobles. Let me tell you what will ruin a church. Arrogant people. They're nobles. They thought they was too good for work. They thought they was, they was too good for service. They, they thought they were above that. On any given day of the week here at Temple, you may see me taking out trash or cleaning the toilet. Y'all act like y'all don't believe that. That's a fact. And, and guess what? Any person on the staff will do the same thing or they won't stay on the staff. Brother Jalen, am I telling the truth? Jalen looks all pretty up here singing and everything, but you should see him in his work clothes. Say amen. And it ain't a suit. You know why? Because he's here to serve. He's not above anything. Whatever we need done, that's what we do. You know why? We want to listen, if Jesus can get down and, and take on the, uh, the 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 really the role of a slave and wash feet, I don't think we're too good to hold a door open. But if serving is, a, is beneath you, you're in the wrong church. There's other churches that, that have high dignified people and highfalutin people and it's a society club, but that ain't this one. Arrogant people. Listen, they were too good to serve. They were too good to work. Not only arrogant people, and, and I don't think we have that many here because we're all poor, say amen right there. I don't think that's the deal here. I really don't. But this could be. This is a danger. This could be. And we got to be real careful of this. Uh, not, only, not only arrogant people, but apathetic people. Arrogant people think they're, they're too good to serve or, or they're, 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 the serving is beneath them. But apathetic people just don't care. They just don't care. Apathetic is, is probably worse than anything. Apathy will kill. And do you realize we're living in an apathetic time? The Bible says in Revelation chapter number 3, he's speaking of the Laodicean church, and he says, you are lukewarm, you're not hold, and you're, you're, excuse me, you're not hot and you're not cold because you're lukewarm, I'll spew the atom. In other words, apathy makes God sick. I can't stand that. I can't, I can't stand to watch a kid, especially one that, 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 that a parent makes them do something in sports. It's not the kid's fault, but the kid don't even want to be out there. They just kind of loaf around because they just had to be out there. Mama's making me go. Well, that's reflecting on the whole rest of the team. Let him do crochet or something. Say amen. <laughs> but don't put him on a team sport if the kid don't want to be there. Apathy will kill and Jesus is saying, hey, get in or get out. We don't have time to be apathetic. We don't have time to be lollygagging around. We got to get on fire for God. People are going to hell every day. Apathetic. I, 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 I put something here. Watch this right here. And, and, and we're done right here. This is it. We're over right here. <clears throat> Watch this now. Plato. Plato. 
You know that dude is here a long time ago. Amen. Now, now, if this is not America, I'll eat your socks. I'm telling you. Watch this. This is what Plato said. The price of apathy towards public affairs is to be ruled by evil men. Let me tell you why we have some evil politicians in government right now. Because there were Christians who were too sorry to go vote. They were too apathetic and didn't care enough to stand. Now, I don't know whether you believe this or not, but I promise you, Christians outnumber people in America. And we have a segment of people who are less than 2% of the population directing our whole country. While Christians stand back and let it happen. Abortion should have never been legalized. This agenda, same-sex marriage, should have never happened. But you mean to tell you why it did? Apathy. Listen, if we're ever going to see the vision that God is giving us come to pass, we're going to have to care. We're going to have to get involved. You know what? I'll say this. I know I said it was close, but this is it for real. You know, in Germany in World War II, when they were doing all their stuff, nobody cared because it wasn't them till it was them. Nobody cared when they went in the first country because it wasn't them. Hey, that's none of our business. Then the second country. Then the third country. And then the... I'd be willing to bet everybody in this room would have to be honest and say that there was no way in, in, in the world we ever thought in our lifetime we would see our country in the shape it's in right now. And I'm going to tell you, the biggest reason is apathy. The biggest reason churches are closing doors at a record pace is apathy. We're living in an apathetic society. Just don't care. Well, I want to pray for you this morning that you will care. Today will be a new day. Today is when the vision will take hold in your heart. And the Bible says, mine eye affecteth my heart. And all God's people say it. Let's all stand. Everyone stand. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy.